0: All right, turn in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 2, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. We will read this again as this is the verse that is motivating us to search the Scriptures, find out what pleases the Lord our God. And we're seeing that it is Paul that has encouraged us, as he encouraged Timothy, that a good soldier wants to please the one who enlisted them. Let's stand in the honor of reading the Word of our God. And then we will begin to look uh, again at what it is to please the Lord. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. All right, you may be seated. So what pleases the Lord? What pleases the one who has enlisted us? We would, uh, all of us would say we want to live lives that are pleasing to the Lord. We want to please him. Uh, Even if we didn't know it was an essential part of spiritual warfare, uh, I assume that uh, this is just something that makes you even more want to please the Lord, that it wasn't like, uh, you know, when I said, hey, Pleasing the Lord is absolutely important if you're going to handle spiritual warfare where then you were like, oh, well, then I guess I better desire to please the Lord. Uh, I assume you already wanted to please the Lord, but now we see uh, even more that pleasing the Lord is one of the ways we do fight against evil. It's one of the ways we do uh, go to war against it. A, a good soldier uh, desires to please the one who enlisted him. So that means you want to you handle temptations that come your way well. You want to handle attacks. Uh, that Satan brings uh, against you or against your family, attacks that he brings against your children. It's going to be very important that you live a life pleasing the Lord that will equip you to be a good soldier in those moments when the demonic is coming against not just you, but against your home. You want to be a soldier prepared, and a soldier prepared is one who is soldiering with their eyes fixed on the one who enlisted them and wanting to please him. A good soldier aims to please him. So then we have to ask, well, what pleases the one who enlists us? We don't want to just say, hey, a good soldier aims to please the one who enlists us and not tell you, hey, well, the one who enlisted you actually tells you what pleases him. He's told you what is pleasing to him. And so we started to look at, you know, the good news is God tells us what, uh, what pleased him. And so we looked at it, pleases the Lord when we fear him, that the fear of the Lord is pleasing to him. And so we looked at what does it mean to fear the Lord? And we we walked uh, biblically through that so we can make sure we don't just say, oh, it pleases the Lord when we fear him. I've got no idea what fearing him is, but I'm sure I'm going to eventually do it. No, we want to make sure that we we know what the scriptures say about that. Now, after we looked at the fear of the Lord, we're looking at two other big, uh, but but not unsurprising things that, that please the Lord. Uh, it pleases the Lord when we Love him when we love the Lord with everything that we have, everything that we are. When we love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength, and it pleases the Lord. When we love our neighbors as ourselves. So that's two things that we've added to the fear of the Lord. Please, Lord, we've also seen one thing that or two things combined together please the Lord is when we love Him and when we love others, loving God uh, and loving others. And so we started to look last week at several verses. That that talk about pleasing the Lord that you could put into one of those two categories. We could we could talk about pleasing the Lord and, and just have uh, a, a multitude of passages talking about different subjects. But but what what we notice as we look at those passages that. that almost all of them could fall into one of those two categories, either loving God with all that you have, all that you are, or loving your neighbor as yourself. You're going to see that as we start to look at the verses where the Lord says, this is what pleases me. This is pleasing me. This is what pleases the Lord. This is what doesn't please the Lord. You're going to see they're going to fall in in one of those two categories. And so we want to, it's easier for us, instead of having to memorize, you know, 16 different categories of things, to have big groups, big chunks of ideas, just like we've got the fear of the Lord and all the things that go with that. Now we know what pleases the Lord, what pleases the Lord when I love him and when I love my neighbor. So if you're looking at your life as a soldier and you're wanting to handle spiritual warfare well, and you're going, okay, am I ready for anything that Satan brings against me? What do I need to do? Well, do I fear the Lord? And analyze that biblically. And now ask, well, do I love the Lord with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength? And do I love my neighbor as myself. So so those things are setting up rubrics uh, for you to measure yourself by, to check and see, am I ready? Uh, am I ready for something uh, to come my way? And so last week, we started to look at specific ways that we love God. So we started to, we got these two big chunks, love God and love your neighbor. Uh, and we started out with what Jesus called the greatest of those, which is to love uh, the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we started to see, well, what things please the Lord that you could put under that category of loving God what things please the Lord that you could put under that category of loving God with all your heart soul uh, mind and strength and so uh, we saw him uh, loving him with everything that we are loving him with all these parts of our lives our emotions our purpose our intellect our our physical strength and and asking how am I loving God with with every part of my life we we saw the importance of being his and his alone. One of the ways you love the Lord God is, we, remember, we saw it to be his and to be humble, where you say, he is my God and, and I am his people, right? Where you're loving him and him alone. It's not this segmented love that the, the nation of Israel is going to get into such trouble with, where they love God, but they also are worshiping idols and all these other things, where you say, no, no, I am the Lord's and the Lord's alone. And then we saw that humility, that humility is absolutely important in loving the Lord your God, that we are to walk humbly with our God. And and really, as we'll see, humility is going to be important to this whole project. In order to love God, you have to be humble. In order to love your neighbor, you have to be humble. If, if you set yourself up as of chief importance, uh, you know, you're going to fail. I mean, a good soldier loves himself least, right? Um, a good soldier is a humble soldier, and and we saw that uh, Remember, we saw that you either, you either go into spiritual warfare uh, humble or you leave it humbled, uh, like with the sons of Sceva. So uh, we definitely want to be humble and we love the Lord our God. We walk humbly with him. So we've seen we're committed to him and him alone in every part of our being. Uh, and we are humble. Those are how we love God rightly, how we love him in a way that is pleasing to him. Well, what other actions? That's what we're going to look at today. What other actions today... Uh, Can we look at and add to what it means to love God? What is it going to look like? If we want to fight well, we've got to love God with all that we have. So let's look at another quick list of things that God tells us are pleasing to him. The first one, it pleases God when we live perfectly. And then you're like, oh, well, great. Uh, but we talked about this. It, love, it pleases God when we live perfect. Turn to Proverbs chapter 11, verse 20. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 20. Listen to what it says. Those of crooked heart are an abomination to the Lord, but those of blameless ways are his delight. So you want to be pleasing to the Lord. Live blamelessly. Now, here again is that word we talked about, the word that's used for Job, and the word that used for Noah. Uh, so we're not going to go back and, and talk about how blameless is really kind of a bad translation because blameless is more about what you don't have. And this word in the Hebrew is more about what you do have. Uh, and that, that's the idea here is, is, remember, this word for blameless there is a word that means perfect or complete or mature uh, the idea behind it is, is not what you are lacking, that you are uh, without blame. Uh, the word is more about what you have, what your life is filled with. In this case, obedience. Uh, it's not about what you aren't doing not doing anything worthy of blame. This this word here is about what you are doing, those crooked heart and abomination, but those who are perfect in their ways, complete in their ways, mature in their ways, who are obeying the Lord. So so what pleases the Lord, well, instead of, of having a, a heart that is crooked, which is an abomination to God, what pleases the Lord is when we have a life that is perfect, complete, uh, mature, in its ways. You want to please God? He is pleased with those whose ways are perfect, whose ways are mature, whose ways are complete. And if you remember when we looked at that word, the idea behind that is uh, that we, we do what he says, we do all that he says, and we do it all the way that he says, uh, which is, again, that's the opposite of crooked, right? That's the opposite uh, of crooked, So what pleases the Lord is when we live mature, completely obedient Christian lives. Perfect Christian lives. Remember, even the word perfect in the the English, the original English, it wasn't about being sinless. It was about being obedient, being mature, perfect. It was about taking it to completion. Uh, And that's what God is wanting for us. When our lives are mature, obedient lives. We like to, and I love that it ties this to our hearts. Those of crooked heart are an abomination, but those whose ways are blameless. I think this is helpful for us in another way here because we like to treat our hearts as if they are purely ethereal or or contemplative objects that we can't really know our own hearts. Well, yeah, you, you can. Even a wise man, the Proverbs is going to tell us, can discern the heart of, of someone. But here, notice a comparison. He says, God is not pleased. It is an abomination to him when we have crooked hearts. Instead, he wants us to have perfect ways. Understand this, Christian. Your heart can be measured by your actions, You want to know the state of your heart. Your actions are a good barometer for your heart. They're a barometer for your heart. Now, this is, of course, not new. God tells us, uh, I mean, John's going to be very explicit about it in his his letters. He always tells us that love can be measured by obedience and particularly obedience to his word. What What does the Lord say? If you love God, you will what? Keep his commandments. If you love God, you will keep his commandments. So the the idea is if you are not keeping his commandments, you are not obeying, well, then you do not love. The obedience is a measurement of love. But it actually goes not just for loving God, but loving others. Because what else does John say? Uh, How do you show your love for one another? By... Keeping his commandments, the same thing. So it goes again, obedience is going to show the, the actual state of the heart, which is good because it lets us out of a lot of backdoor sort of, well, I don't really know. Uh, like you can know, like you can say, like if I say I love Leslie, but I'm being completely disobedient to the word of God. Well, it doesn't matter how much I say I love her or how much I go, well, you know, I just, the heart is so hard to figure out. No, obedience is a good way of figuring out what's going on in the heart. If someone is disobeying God and disobeying God's word, you can say, oh, you don't love the Lord. Well, how do you know? Because God says, if you love him, you will obey him. And you're not obeying him. You're, You're sinning against him and openly and clearly and have no desire for repentance or confession. Notice, again, notice the comparison. This idea is is not new. And and I can say I I love God with my heart uh, all day long. I can say, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to love the Lord God with my heart. I can say, yeah, I'm doing that. But it is our ways, it is our actions that actually will show the truthfulness of that sentence. My ways are ways to measure my heart. And so the Lord says here, it pleases him when, we, when our ways are perfect. He doesn't want us having crooked hearts. He wants us having perfect ways. You want, you want to know if your heart's crooked or not? Well, what do your ways look like? What do your actions look like? The Lord wants us to love him with all our heart. And what will that look like? It will look like a life that's lived in perfect obedience. Again, the idea of perfect being the Lord says to do it. I do. I do what he says. I do all that he says. And I do it all the way that he says. That's the obedience that is going to show our love for the Lord. So if you want to love the Lord, your God, not just with your heart, but with all of your heart, then it is going to be a perfect love. It's going to com- be a complete, a mature love that will be measured by your obedience to him. Your obedience to him is not the thing that creates love. Your obedience to him is not the thing that creates your salvation, but your obedience to him is a fruit of your salvation. It is a thing that will be present in. In your life and will grow as your maturity grows, will grow as your love for the Lord grows. So if you want to please God, so you want to know, okay, how can I please the Lord? I'm a soldier. I want to fight. Well, well, how do I, how can I make sure I fight? Well, look at your life. Are you obeying him completely? Are you, are, do you, are your ways perfect ways? Well, how are you going to know if your ways are perfect or not? Are you looking at, if, if, if you know what you're supposed to be doing and you're not doing it, what do you already know that that is? It's sin. So you already know that. I mean, it's real simple. So if you are, so that's all this verse is saying. When it says he wants your ways to be perfect, if you know what you're supposed to do, do it. You want to have a good defense, a good protection against evil, and you want to be able to take and really take it against the gates of hell and trample serpents underfoot that we sang about? Well, then look at your life and obey him completely. Don't let your heart be crooked. Obey him perfectly. Live Perfectly live obediently. And the next, well, still from the way Jesus says it uh, in the King James, the next is like unto it. Right? Uh, The next one, so live perfectly. The second thing we're going to see is be good. Be good. Uh, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 2. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 2. And we are, we are using as banal descriptions as we can because we're wanting to tie them to the text. Proverbs 12, 2. A good man obtains favor from the Lord, but a man of evil devices he condemns. So here, uh, the, this word here, a, a, a good man obtains favor. That word obtains favor is the same word as pleasing or delight. That, that it could be translated, a good man uh, it, it, it brings pleasure from the Lord or gets ple- brings pleasure to the Lord. A good man obtains the Lord's delights. A Lord, the Lord delights. The Lord is pleased with a good man, a good soldier. So a good soldier is a good man. And a good man is one who does what? Notice again, a good man obtains favor from the Lord, but a man of evil devices, he condemns. So notice a good man is not just a man who is good, but is one whose devices and who devises or plans not evil, but good. So an evil person is not just evil. They're evil because they're devising evil. They're of evil devices. They're trying to bring, they're thinking about evil. They're planning evil. They're scheming evil. But a good man doesn't do that. A good man is not like the evil man who devises evil. What is a good man devising? A good man is devising good. And and I love that. I love that. Because a a good man is one who is not just good. So a good soldier is a soldier who's not just a good man, not just a good woman, but is one who is also pursuing and devising good. Devising, planning good. In other words, a good soldier, a good man is not a passive man. He is actively pursuing righteousness. Such men, such women are pleasing to the Lord. It says those are the ones that obtain his pleasure, obtain his favor. So a good man is one who we saw earlier lives perfectly. Yes. So, hey, I'm perfectly obeying. I'm, I'm doing what the Lord has told me to do. And when the Lord tells me to do it, I do it. And I'm, I'm obeying him. I'm obeying him all the way, uh, all the way that he says to do it. Uh, that's what I'm doing. But a good man isn't just satisfied with what he's seen so far. A good man pursues even more righteousness. Just as the evil man is not satisfied with the evil that he's done. The evil man also devises evil plans evil, schemes evil. The Christian does. It's not that the Christian just sits there. The evil man really loves evil. So what is he trying to do in his life? He's trying to do more evil. So the Christian doesn't just go, oh, I love the Lord. So I'm just going to sit here and whatever good the Lord brings to me, I guess that's what I'll do. The good man devises evil or devises good with the same passion, the same vigor, the same excitement that the evil man devises evil. The Christian pursues righteousness with the same degree that the wicked pursue unrighteousness. And look at the wicked in this world. I don't know if you know this, but they don't seem to just be stumbling into wickedness. They they desire it. They crave it. They will move mountains to get it. As Christians, it pleases the Lord. It pleases the Lord, not just when we are good. But when we desire even more good, when we are planning, devising even more good, when we are pursuing righteousness, not just passively accepting it, pursuing righteousness. A good soldier isn't just one who does good currently. They are looking and and devising ways to do more good in the future. They're always, a good soldier of the Lord is always pushing to a, a greater and greater pursuit of the good in their lives. You know, there uh, I'm sure I'm the only one that was ever like this in my Christian life. So, if you want to stone me when I get in with the sermon, that's fine. Uh, there were times in my, to see what this looks like, there were times in my Christian life where I was afraid to read the Bible because... I knew that God was going to put things in there that was going to be more stuff that I had to do. And I was like, well, if I keep reading, I'm just going to have more stuff to do. And I just started figuring out how to do this stuff. Right. But I know that I'm going to open it and it's going to be I'm going to be like, "Okay, it's Second Chronicles. I bet I'm okay, Right. I bet I'm all right. I'm not a king. Right. I haven't built any high places. I should be fine. I'm not offering my children to Molech should be good uh and i'm gonna read that oh and there's something oh i've got to do that no you know i would be afraid of but but what did that show was i prepared for any sort of spiritual warfare to come my way of course not of course not i wasn't devising good i was devising how to get out of more good i was devising not reading god's word not listening to sermons not not meditating like i know there are sermons that i have heard where I heard the sermon, mm, and I intentionally didn't rehear that sermon. I didn't play it again because I knew that that stung the first time. Texts that I know in my Bible that I would, I would, I would be afraid of reading because I, I knew the conviction that they would bring. Such a heart is not a heart of a soldier that is desiring to please the Lord. Because the Lord is pleased with a good man and a good man isn't just passively good. A good man pursues righteousness. A good man plans, schemes, but schemes good things. Schemes to be better. Schemes to give, live even more righteously, to, leave, to obey the Lord even more. Who searches the scriptures. Why? Because they want to obey the Lord even more. In their lives, they're not satisfied with, oh, I'm doing what I know I'm supposed to do. They they go, I want to do more. If if there's more in this text so I can glorify God even more in my life, then I want to know that. If there's more equipment I could have to glorify God as a husband or as a father or as a son or as a daughter, then I'm going to read and I'm going to devise a way to do that. Such men are pleasing to the Lord. Who are actively pursuing righteousness. Who aren't just saying, "Oh, I'm good. I'm good. I know what I'm supposed to do. I'm good," but who are wanting to be better. Who are pursuing to be even more obedient, to know even more, to understand uh, understand the, the the works of God in their life even more, to 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 tend the fruit of the Spirit, to long for those things to grow, to to want to honor God even more in their lives, the the good man is always pushing for greater and greater pursuit of the good, Uh, which means if you want to fight well, then be a a good man. Pursue, devise, plan good. Be someone who is always planning good in their lives. Um, Be a man of good devices because the evil are known by their passion for evil because they are people of evil devices. May we be known by our passion for the good, by our good devices that we plan. So a a good soldier is one who, who, uh, so so one who fights well in in this war uh, uh, is gonna be one who loves the Lord, uh, their God loves, uh, who is his and his alone, who is is humble, who obeys him perfectly, who isn't just good, but pursues good. uh, But the the Lord has some more, and, and, and we're going to sort of, so what we're going to see is all of these sort of build on each other. They're not, they're not different or segmented pieces. This is just creating a, a complete and full picture of, of what a soldier of the Lord looks like. And, and so I'm hoping as you see these, you can kind of, sort of stack these like uh, Russian nesting dolls of righteousness here, uh, being a good soldier. Uh, the, the, this next one isn't surprising to us because the Lord is, is not just concerned with our, with our outward actions uh, in terms of our body. The Lord, uh, surprisingly, is also concerned with our speech. He's concerned with the words that come uh, out of our mouths. God cares about how his soldiers talk uh, and your talk can either be a help or a hindrance in spiritual warfare. Uh, so uh, what we're going to see, it pleases the Lord when we speak righteously. Pleases the Lord when we speak righteously. Again, again, it's not surprising. We, we know in terms of spiritual warfare, uh, we know from both, Uh, scripture uh, and personal experience, uh, that all it takes is one wrong word to turn a uh, a small argument into a real barn burner of a problem. Uh, We understand that. Uh, We all can probably uh, remember, uh, think of things that that people have said uh, about us, that they said in the heat of the moment, that we know they probably didn't really mean, but it came out of their mouth and we still remember it. Satan still reminds us of it, still accuses us uh, with it, still throws it back at us to either get us to not love that person or to, or to believe that person's accusations, even if we know they're untrue, even though we know the curse that has caused us should not alight, we still let it light on us and light us. Or we can think of things that we've said. I know I can think of things that I've said because I am a big brother, right? I can think of a lot of things that I've said uh, that I wish or or that I could take back or that I I hope that the other person would just uh, forget the things that we say and we're sorry that we say them as soon as they uh, uh, cross the the threshold of our lips. But then you can't get them back. I love the Greeks. The Greeks uh, used to call the teeth a, a barrier. That your teeth are a barrier like a wall. Uh, And their job was to uh, hold in all the bad things that your tongue wanted to say. So God has put a barrier, a wall in your mouth. And if you just keep that wall shut, your tongue can't do all that it wants to do. I love that idea. Uh, And if we want to be pleasing to the Lord, we must use our tongues in a pleasing way. So that's why we're going to see the Lord wants us to speak righteously. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 13. We're going to see this. Proverbs 16, 13. Pleases the Lord, pleases the one who enlisted us when we speak righteously. Righteous lips are the delight of a king. And he loves him who speaks what is right. So righteous lips, there's that word for delight that is also the same word as pleasing. Righteous lips are pleasing to a king. And if it's pleasing to a king, it's pleasing to a king because it is pleasing to the king. Righteous lips are, are just lips that speak what is right, lips that speak what is just. The word righteous, the word just are the, the same word. So righteous lips, righteous uh, words are right or just words. The, the, the word righteous actually comes from the Old English, ritvis, uh, which means straightway. Uh, and then it just became righteous. The way that is right, the way that is straight, and the Hebrew carries the same same idea. It is righteous, the righteous lips are the lips that speak the right things, the just things that are following, if we're keeping the idea of a path, that are following the path laid out by God. So a good soldier controls his tongue. But but here we see that that's meant in in a positive sense, not just the negative sense. Because when we often think of controlling our tongues, we think like the Greeks. We think our job is to just use our teeth as a, as a barrier. That our job is just to hold in what wants to get out. That the, the bad stuff wants to come out of our mouths. And that a soldier's job is just to hold in all the bad stuff. And that's certainly something we want to do. I'm not saying you can just let all the bad stuff come out. I mean, we saw this when we looked at the fear of the Lord. Remember the fear of the Lord talked about this, Psalm 34. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. This passage we looked at several times. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil. So the Lord wants you to not say things. He wants your teeth to serve as a barrier. But that's not what God is saying here in Proverbs 16. A good soldier doesn't just restrain their tongue. A good soldier retrains their tongue. So a good soldier doesn't just restrain what they want to say. A good soldier retrains what they want to say. What pleases the Lord isn't just when our lips aren't unrighteous. What this says in Proverbs is what pleases the Lord is when our lips are righteous, when they are just right lips. When it is righteousness that comes out of our mouth. So he's not just saying, you know, as a soldier, just keep your, keep your trap shut. The trap of your teeth. That's not what pleases the Lord. He says what pleases the Lord is when what comes out of your mouth is righteousness. It's not just that it pleases the Lord when you keep all the unrighteousness in. When you just restrain your tongue. He says what pleases the Lord is when you retrain your tongue. So that what comes out is not bitter, but sweet. Now we know this, the Bible talks about this several times, where our job is both to keep the bad from coming out and to make sure it's the good that does come out. Ephesians 4.29 is a great one. Such a great word picture in Ephesians 4.29. It says this, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who here, now the word for corrupting, again, it's a great word. It's the word, it's a word that means something that rots. It's, a, it's the word you would use for like rotten fruit. So, so, so these words, but the problem he says with these words, these words aren't just rotten words, they're rotting words. So he, he doesn't just say, let no rotten talk come out of your mouth. He says, let no rotting talk come. Come out of your mouth. This is you're not again. These words aren't just rotten; they're rotting. They spread rottenness, and Proverbs warns us about those those who are those those whispering words said in secret. What does it say? A, a dishonest man. This is Proverbs sixteen twenty eight. A dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisperer separates. Close friends. So we're not we're not supposed to let words that rot come out of our mouths. There's the barrier. And a good soldier will have that barrier. But again, in Ephesians 4, 29, God's not just concerned with what we hold back, but what comes out. Not just restrain, but retrain. So rather than rot people, rather than being rotten uh, or rotting after talking to us, People who talk to us, Ephesians 4.29 says, should be built up. You see the difference? Because so come to be like corrupting and then building up. And we don't see how those two are, are similar metaphors, right? Corrupting and then building up. But if you understand, let no rotting words come out of your mouth and instead words that build up, you can see the opposite pictures that are going on there. And that's what's supposed to happen to people who talk to us instead of rotting after they talk to us, instead of the rottenness of our words spreading through them, they should be built up. And we should think about saying not just the right thing, but the right thing at the right time. What does he say? They may build up as fits the occasion. So we're supposed to be thinking of saying words that build up, saying the right thing, at the right, good for building up as fits the occasion. So the right thing at the right time, Proverbs will tell us, Proverbs 15, 23, uh, a word in season, how good it is, right? A word said at the right time is, is so valuable. And so Paul tells us, you say words that are building up, that fits the occasion and words that bring grace. He says that grace may come. You know, one of the things Christ was known for in his talk was he was known for his words being exceedingly gracious. was one of the things that astounded the people about him was the graciousness of his words. We see this in Luke chapter 4, verse 22. They're actually blown away by how much grace was in his words. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said... Is not this Joseph's son? So one of the things people marveled at was that Jesus did what Ephesians 4.29 is calling us to do, which is that his words were words of grace. And the Bible tells us we should have that, that same type of gracious talk. And I, I love Colossians 4.6 for this. Colossians 4.6 is a great thing to add to Ephesians 4.29 because it shows us what we're talking about. It says, let your speech always be gracious. Seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each other. Gracious words are the antithesis of rotten words. Gracious words don't rot. Gracious words are like salt. They preserve. Your words should be preservatives for the souls of the people hearing you. Not things that bring rot to their soul. People should be better off having talked to you. In fact, people who talk to you, they should have heard from you words that work such like salt that if they had rottenness, your salt would help get rid of that rottenness. That it would build up what might have been lacking. A good soldier is one whose lips are filled with righteousness and who keeps rottenness from his tongue those who build up and are filled with the saltiness of grace the saltiness of gracious words so uh, you're you're living a perfect life perfect obedience a good person who is planning devising good so so you're obeying the lord now you're pursuing more obedience of the Lord, devising and planning. So a good soldier is doing what this commanding officer has told him to do. A good soldier is planning and desiring to do even more. And a good soldier is not just restraining his lips, although he is doing that. He's also retraining his lips. He is speaking righteously. Such things are are pleasing to the Lord. Uh, and the last thing we'll see, it pleases the Lord when we walk worthy of Your Lord. Walk worthy of the Lord. And what we're going to see here is that it pleases the Lord when we walk concerned more for Him and His name than ourselves. When we walk, if you want to think of a soldier, when we walk under His banner, when we walk as His men, and if we're going to use it and think scripturally and scriptural metaphors, when we walk as His children, when we walk as his image bearers, when we make decisions in life and say, I want to be worthy of his name, when we walk thinking about what it says about him, not just what it says about ourselves. Look at Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, 9 through 12. And so from the day we heard, we haven't ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. There's that pleasing. So what's, what is pleasing to him? Bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. So Paul is praying that these people would be filled with the knowledge of God's will for them so they can walk in the way they're supposed to walk. He's like, I want you to be filled with the, the knowledge that you have so you can be fully pleasing to the Lord. And then I love this uh, because he then lists what God's will is Uh, for them and as we've talked about before god's will is is not some secret knowledge that is sort of singular to you and you've got to you've got to figure it out so so paul says here he says i pray that you would know god's will for you and then he goes and here it is (laughs) I, i just love that i i pray that you would grow in your knowledge of god's will so you can be pleasing him and now let me tell you what that will is and so he starts to then uh, he starts to list these things that will be pleasing to god if if they 're in their life and 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 what are they doing let 's look at that that list because it 's going to fit exactly what we 've been uh, talking about it, this would be sort of if we 're supposed to walk humbly with the lord here 's what that humble walk looks like. We walk humbly here when we see our eyes are not fixed on us but on him when we 're walking worthy of him. That's what's fully pleasing him. When we're walking worthy of, uh, of his name, when we walk not with ourselves, but with him in mind, when we say, like Paul says, whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, we do it for the glory of God. Everything that we're doing, we're doing it for his glory, for his name. To what pleases the Lord is when we walk humbly with him, when we love God. And and, and here's our our marching orders for that walk, for a walk that is focused on the Lord. Because we could say, hey, I want you to walk with your eyes focused on him, thinking about him. And then we're like, okay, we just sort of do whatever. He says, well, here's the will. Here's what that walk looks like. Here's that pleasing walk with your eyes fixed on him looks like. And he says, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, enduring and being patient with joy, and then giving thanks. He says, these are the things that are going to, if you want well, what's it look like to walk worthy of the Lord, it's not going to look different from, from me versus Wallace versus Kathy. I mean, it, it's all going to be the same, walking worthy of the Lord. It's not like I've got, you know, some sort of secret missions. And they've got other secret missions. Like we're all, uh, look at these things, bearing fruit uh, in every good work. So similar to what we saw, show the fruit of your salvation by doing every good thing that God calls us to do. It pleases the Lord when we pursue all the good that he calls his people to. So bear the fruit in keeping with the good works that God has, has, has given you. So, so bearing that fruit, increasing in the knowledge of God. So this is again, this is lining. I mean, that's, that's the first one we saw when we talked about living perfectly. There's that bearing fruit in every good work, the things that God has called you to do, do. And here's that second one of pursuing even more good. The good man doesn't, isn't just good passively, he pursues the good. Here's what we see, increasing in knowledge of God. So again, it pleases the Lord, not when we're pleased with what we already know about him, but when we want to increase in that knowledge of him. And knowledge is not just head knowledge, but, but, but heart knowledge. And then and, and Paul's going to tell us, this is what brings us to maturity. And that, that word for maturity there uh, in Ephesians 4.13 is the word also translated perfect in your Bibles, Ephesians 4.13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the son of God to mature or perfect Manhood, complete manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So uh, bearing fruit with every good work that he said, increasing in our knowledge of God, which then gives us more fruit to bear, more things to pursue, and then strengthened with all power so that you can endure and be patient and do those things with joy. It pleases the Lord, not just when we are strong, but the purpose of the strength that he is giving us when we are strengthened to the point that we can endure, but not just endure and get through it, but be patient as we're going through it. How many times have we endured, but not very patiently uh, in the process, but endure. So what is it it to walk worthy of the Lord? To endure. And some of us go, well, that's it. I'm just going to endure. Just get me through it. And he says, not just endure, but endure with patience. And not even just being patient, but what? What does he say? Not just patience, but with joy for all endurance and patience with joy. Joy. So not, not just getting through it, but being patient as the Lord, your God, he is worthy of your patience. He's worthy of your endurance and he's worthy of your joy in the process. And some of you are going, that's going to be a lot of strength. And that's exactly right. That's strength that can only come from the Lord. He says, giving thanks to God uh, for our inheritance. It, it pleases the Lord when we're thankful, thankful that we share the, insane, the same inheritance as he says, saints of the light. Here's, you have the same, and this is, this is uh, I mean, we can do a, a little uh, anti-Catholic rant for a while, but the, 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 this, is, this is the idea of, I mean, uh, all believers, we're all saints, that we're there for saints, it's just the word holy ones. Uh, and he says, what's amazing is that God has enabled us, has actually qualified us to share in the inheritance of the holy ones of the light. And he says, we're not out of our league when we do. We're not As believers, we're not below Moses or below uh, Abraham. Uh, through the work of God, we are now qualified to share in the same inheritance as them because of what Christ has done for us and is doing in us. He has qualified us to share in that inheritance. He doesn't just let us into that inheritance. He did not just say, and has snuck you into the inheritance. Through Christ and what he has done, his righteousness, and the righteousness he is working in you, he has qualified you to the same inheritance as the holy ones of the light. All of these things or in relation to how we view and respond to God. So a good soldier wants to please the Lord. So he loves God, loves his neighbor. Good soldier belongs to the Lord, the Lord alone. Good soldier is a humble man. A good soldier is a good man. He both is good and pursues plans more good. A good soldier is a man with righteous lips. He both restrains and retrains his lips. And a good soldier walks with his mind fixed on the Lord, not himself. He walks worthy. He's more worried about what his life says about God than what his life says about him. That's if you want to be uh, live a life that is pleasing to the Lord because you love your God. Those are the things that God says, because you love me, this is what is pleasing to me. These are the things pleasing to me that fall under loving me. We'll look next week at the things that are pleasing to him that fall under loving your neighbor. But when he talks about loving him, if you want to love the Lord to call your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you want to be pleasing to the Lord because of your love for the Lord, here's the things He lays out and says this is, These are my delights. These are what pleases me. This is the type of man that pleases me. This is the, this is the life that is pleasing to me. Let's look at a couple of uses and we'll be, uh, we'll be done. If you want to handle spiritual battles well, if you want to be delivered from evil, you must be good and pursue good. Christian. If you want to handle what Satan is going to bring to you and you want to be obedient to what God has said, do you want to love God with all your heart? Would you going to please Him? Then you need to look at your life. You look at the state of your heart. The Lord is pleased with those who live lives of complete obedience. You want to handle spiritual warfare well? Evaluate your heart and evaluate your heart by your life. Don't just say, I love the Lord my God with all my heart. Look at your life. Is that true? And the good thing is, if you know it's not true because you're not doing X, the answer is what? What's the answer to that then? Do X, right? Do X. If you know, hey, well, I obviously don't love him because I'm not doing X, then pray and obey. Pray and start doing what he has called you to do just like a soldier, if he looked and said, well, I'm not ready because I don't have my shield. What does that soldier do? Well, he picks up his shield. The Lord has given you his army, He's told you what's pleasing him. Do it. You must follow the Lord and we must follow him perfectly. Not most. We only follow him. We must pursue. Christian, pursue even more good in your life. Don't just right now be trying to think about where you need to be that you haven't been. Devise now where you need to go. Be thinking about not just how to be the husband you should be. Think about being the husband that you don't even know you need to be yet. Desire to be the child to to know even more good that you might do. Want to live an even better life to keep your eyes off of evil. Keep them pointed on the good. So if you want to handle spiritual battles well, be good, pursue good. Christian, if you wanna, if you wanna get if you wanna deal with whatever Satan brings your way, you've got to be good and pursue good. And if you want to handle sin well, your lips must be tools of righteousness, not rot. Okay? So if you wanna be uh, a soldier that's pleasing the Lord is good, he's obeying the Lord all the way, and you must do that. Are the things the Lord's told you to do, you must do those things. If you wanna handle battles that are come your way, and you've got to devise more. You can't just be passive and sort of let what's coming to you. Seek the good. Seek to crush even more heads of serpents under your feet. And if you want to handle sin, well, your lips must be tools of righteousness, not rot. We, we all know when we're saying things or hearing things uh, that we're like, should I be saying this? Or even should I be hearing this? We, we all know that such talk isn't good. It's not building up. And yet sometimes we say it. And yet we, we listen anyway. And before we know it, not only are we listening, we're joining in. And then we're joining in and we're sharing in the feelings. And then we spread it to others. And that's the rot that happens. This is why the Bible warns so much about this type of speech and how the tongue is a fire. And warns about grumbling or complaining or slander or gossip because they never just stay on one person's lips. They never do. Rottenness spreads. Which is why the Bible warns us about, be, about being both the speaker and the listener in those occasions. The Bible tells us it's not just a sin to speak rot. The Bible tells us it's actually a sin to listen to rot. Proverbs 17, 4. An evildoer listens to wicked words. And a liar gives ear to a mischievous tongue. It's, I mean, this is, that's right. It's not just wrong to gossip. It's wrong to listen to gossip. And I don't know how many times discord among brothers or in marriages could have been stopped by people just knowing that verse. And I don't know how many times someone said, hey, I just thought they needed someone to listen to them. And I go, no, the Bible says they didn't need someone to listen to them. Don't listen to them. That's what the Bible said. Uh, this idea—we we live in a world. where, Well, I just want to—I just want to let them know they've got an ear. No, the 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 Bible says they don't need their. The Bible tells us you shouldn't have listened. The best thing for them and for you is for you Now, all you did by listening to them is 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 help. All you did was double the sin. But it is such a temptation because what else does Proverbs say? The words of a whisper are like delicious morsels; they go down into the inner parts of the body. So be careful about what we say, because what we say won't just poison us. It poisons others. And be careful about what we listen to. Know that rottenness is never just satisfied with one victim. But again, what we saw here isn't just that God's concerned with what we say, what we don't say, but what we do say. And what is supposed to come out? The the things that are the opposite of rot, things that build up. Things that are timely, the right thing said at the right time. And if you're going to say the right thing at the right time, you know what you're going to have to do, actually listen to people. And so the whole time sitting there going, when will you stop talking so I can give you my wonderful answer uh, that I've already formulated and I know is just going to blow you away. Uh, to say the right thing at the right time, you've actually got to listen to them, which we'll see is, is another thing about loving them. Things that are timely, things that bring grace to our hearer, things that are salt but the things that come out of your mouth, let them be salt. Have salty tongues. Again, not just restraining our lips, but retraining our lips. Your lips can either be a weapon for or against the enemy, but they're being used as a weapon either way. So how are your lips being used? Does the enemy use your lips to spread rot? Rot in the ears of your wife, rot in the ears of your children. Rot in the ears of your friends, your co-workers. Or are your lips seasoned with salt, killing rot in others and spilling out grace? Those are the types of lips, Christian, we must have. Those are the types of lips you must have if you want to handle spiritual warfare well. And lastly, if you want to be a good soldier, then you must walk with your eyes fixed on the Lord, not yourself. Guys, we've, we've got to walk more concerned about the Lord than us. If we want to handle spiritual warfare well in our church or in our lives, he has to be our chief concern. There's got to be a desire to walk in a way worthy of his name. We have to be more concerned about what our lives say about him than what our lives say about us. Instead of thinking, well, what are people going to think about me if I do this? We need to be thinking, what will people say about him if I live like that? Now, to do that, he tells us, you've got to bear fruit of every good work not just some. You've got to increase in your knowledge of God. You've got to know about him. You've got to know him. You've got to let the might of God uh, work in you to strengthen you so that you can endure anything and endure it with patience and with joy. I mean, even how you handle difficulty in your life isn't just about you. And not only do you have to bear, you've got to bear that difficulty in such a way that you want to endure with patience and, and joy Why? Because your God is worthy of patience and joy. That's a high bar that the world's not going to understand. That's a high bar that the world is going to say, there is something about your God for you to not only endure that, because there are people with their false gods. Demons can get people to endure a lot of things, but for us to endure it with patience and with joy... And the last thing I want us to think about as we, as we think of it, all these things and how we're to be pleasing to the Lord is I want us to rejoice in this, in this truth that is the backbone of all this. And we've, we've talked about it and we, we talk about it every time. Christ is the high priest who makes us pleasing to God by doing all these things perfectly for us. Christ Christ is the man who lived the perfect obedience that you're longing to live. He is the one who wasn't just good but pursued good. He's the one whose lips were filled with grace and not rot. And he is the one who walked worthy of the Lord and all in your name to qualify you to share in the inheritance of the holy ones in the light. Christ is the one who makes us pleasing God by doing all these. But Christ has done them and he's made you into God's people. And you are then called not just to rest in how pleasing you are. But Christ has called us to pursue a life that pleases the one who enlisted us. The life that we can only pursue because Christ has pursued us. Let's pray and then let's get to pursuing this life. Father, we have heard from your word today. And God, it is, it is our desire to be pleasing to you. It is our desire to glorify you in, in all that we do. We want to love you, God, with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength. We want to, we want to be soldiers ready for battle, both in, in terms of, of self-preservation, but even more so in terms of not wanting to fail our king. And Father, maybe that's been the battle that some of us need to fight. We've just been fighting at spiritual battles, wanting our marriages to be better, our homes to be better, because we don't want, we don't know what people are going to think about us. And we haven't been thinking about walking worthy of Your name. And since we haven't been thinking about walking worthy of Your name, then, then 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 the entire scope of our life or purpose of our life has been missing. But here we can see and be refreshed by saying, "Hey, God, I'm gonna I'm gonna live this for You." And for your glory, a good soldier is worried about you and trusts you and knows that if my eyes are fixed on you, you are the one who will qualify me. You are the one who will strengthen me to endure and to do it with patience and joy. But you're you're the reason I want to be ready for war. Your name is the reason I I want to be good and do good and pursue good. because you are good and you have made me what I could not be on my own. So I will never let anything rotten spill from my heart past my tongue and out of my teeth. I will never let something rotten that doesn't just rot me but rot others. I will never let it pass that barrier that you have set before my tongue. Instead, I will retrain my heart So that sweet righteous water flows out. So that what I say is timely said. And is grace to others. Is salt. That might quench their rottenness. That might preserve and protect. Rather than tear down and destroy. Work these things in us Father. Work them in us. Not just because we want to be great. But because we want to be great for your name. We want our church to be strong for your name. We want our marriages to be strong for your name. We want our friendships to be strong for your name. May we walk worthy of you, Lord. It's in Christ's name we pray, and it's in Christ's name that we have confidence that you will hear this prayer. Amen.